today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Elcantar. When one of your children is hurting, it hurts you. That, that, that is what Paul is feeling right now. Like a father who feels like these are his children, he's burdened for the church. See, when, when, when prayer becomes more about God and less about us, the family of God becomes more prominent in our prayers because we see the glorious thing that God has done to make this family. And we have his heart for the family. And so we lift them up in prayer. Hope in God, oh my soul. He is strong and he's strong to save. Hope in God, he's a rock and you hide in place. would pray for a family member that has fallen ill. That's the way you should be praying for the spiritual condition of those in the body of Christ. The Apostle Paul was burdened for the church of Ephesus, and he labored in prayer for them before the throne of God. Just as Paul lived a selfless life and was more others-focused, we're called to live sacrificially and focus on others as well. You should always pray for yourself, but don't neglect to lift up the body of Christ. Let's join Pastor Ricky in the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, verse 14, for our continuing study entitled, I Am Strengthened. He says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. See, often when we pray, we we come to God believing we need to bring stuff with us to get him to grant our requests. I remember Tom telling me about one time where he walked into a really nice sort of furniture and tile and kitchen store with architectural plans dressed like business casual with like a, like, you know, like a, like a ruler and, you know, so he looked like an architect or like a kind of a big contractor and he had all this cool stuff with him, plans and things. And so he brought it in. And of course, as soon as he comes in, all of the salespeople in the store like, like flock to him. Sir, can you, can you, do you need any help? Can I just, you want me to take those architectural plans off your hands? And you know, so he's, he's, he's bringing things into the store to, and he realized, you know what? I probably should do that every time I walk into Home Depot. I should look like a really rich architect every time I go to any home improvement store and immediately I'll get a response, which I thought, that's not a bad idea. But some of us bring that idea into our prayers that we sort of have to look impressive or feel impressive or sort of do some stuff. You've ever had this thought, you know, I really need to pray about this thing, but I just haven't been doing well today. I'm going to wait until like tonight and try to, I'm going to go home and see if my wife needs anything and do some extra sort of cleaning and then send an encouraging email and then I'll pray later. You ever done that? I, I, I have done that. Really sad, but I've done that. So we, we, we try to bring stuff with us into the throne room of God to get him to pay attention to us. And that focuses far more on us than on God, doesn't it? Our focus is what we've done or what we haven't done or what we can do or what we are hoping to do or maybe we come with promises. Lord, it, it, seriously, if you hear this prayer, I'm gonna do this. If you hear this prayer, I'm gonna do this. Here's how Paul comes. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. See, he comes not on the basis of what he's done, but on the basis of who God is. Because God is his father. 
When we went through Galatians earlier this year, we went through this glorious passage in Galatians 4 that says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. See, Jesus Christ was the sinless son of God, yet our sins were placed on him and his blood was shed to pay our penalty so that if we believe in him, we'll go free. And not just, he hears the glorious news of the gospel. The gospel doesn't just mean you're off the hook and you're not going to jail. The gospel means you're adopted as a son or as a daughter. The gospel ripples out in all these areas of our lives. And one of the things that it changes is it changes our very identity. We go from being sinners and murderers and haters of God to being sons and daughters of God. So so we come on the basis of what Jesus has done, not on, on the basis of what we've done. We come with nothing in our hands except the blood of Jesus. And with that, the Lord delights and we address him as our father. See, when you come to, to a good father, you don't need to bring stuff. If my son Ford brings me a quarter that he found outside in our front yard, I'm not any more or less likely to listen to him when he points and wants to go um, play in the backyard. I'm going to do it because I'm his dad. That's what, that's what Paul does. He comes to, to pray. That's how he prays. He, he comes focusing far more on who God is, that God is his father because of what Jesus has done, not focusing on, on himself. Look, if you don't know Jesus, you probably picked this up, but I'll just make the confession that we are, as a church, good old-fashioned Bible thumpers and gospel proselytizers who want you to become a Christian. (laughs) We want you to become a Christian, not because we think you should be good like us. We want you to become a Christian because we realize that we were murderers and haters and people who were far from God, and yet through the blood of Jesus, here's the crazy news, we get to be brought in and made sons and daughters. So, so we are pretty excited about telling other people about that. And so if somebody's like, well, I'm kind of on the fence about whether to become a Christian or not. It's like, look, why would you not want to be adopted by the best dad in the universe? Why would you not want to have your sins wiped away? Why would you not want to be redeemed and brought out of your sin and affliction? Why would you not want an eternity with this glorious father? So he, 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 here's, here's the good news that we have for you. This is really our one song. You hear it this week, you're gonna hear it next week, probably the week after that. Here's the song. We're, we're a band with one song, one greatest hit that we just play over and over and over and over, and it's this. If you believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and place your faith in him, you can be saved today. You don't have to go back out and do some good stuff so that you can come back into the throne room with stuff to get God to pay attention to you. You can come with nothing but your faith in Jesus Christ. And so we urge you to do that today. You don't have to wait till next week. You don't have to wait till your life's cleaned up. Do it today. So how do we pray? We come focusing not on ourselves, but on God and who he is. And three, oh man, I'm gonna totally run out of time. All right, we're gonna do as much as we can and then we're just gonna stop and pray. Three, who do we pray for? This will be really brief. Paul does not pray for himself in Ephesians, except for one verse at the end. His whole letter is filled with prayer for the Ephesian church. Now, this is why this is surprising. As Tom talked about last week, Paul is not writing from an office, okay? He's not 
he's, um, I'm just going to say it. He's not writing from the kind of house that you see on Preachers of L.A., okay? He's not writing from his Bentley giving his secretary a dictation to fire off. He's writing from jail. He's writing from jail because he preached the gospel and people didn't like it. So they put him there. He has health issues, serious, multiple health issues. He's been beaten and stoned and spent a day on the open sea. I mean, this, this man is absolutely wrecked physically. He's in jail with no medical care. And really, the only way you got food in jail is if people brought you food. This is where he's writing from. And yet his focus in the prayer is, is completely concerned with the church of God and the family of God. He, he prays to the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And in the original language, that actually just means he prays for the family. And so many commentators believe the better translation would probably be that he prays to the father from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named, meaning his whole family, meaning the family of God. See, Paul is, is, is in awe of what God is doing through the church and through the family of God. And that drives him to pray for that family. See, when you really grasp that you and me, we're not just individuals on individual paths of self-discovery and, and sort of kind of doing our own thing on our spiritual journey to Jesus. And we kind of come together once a week to kind of, you know, just exchange ideas, but we're all sort of just walking individual paths. No, Paul says, according to Ephesians 2, we've, been those, we've all been far off and we've all been brought near and we're all common citizens and members of the household of God. So we're, we're a family. Family now. So like it or not, <laughs> you're part of a family if you are a Christian. And I don't know about you, but when, when something hits my family, it hurts me. When one of my sisters is suffering and they're sick, it hurts me. When one of my parents is hurting, it hurts me. It's probably the same for you. When one of your children is hurting, it hurts you. That, that, that is what Paul is feeling right now like a father who feels like these are his children, he's burdened for the church. See, when, when, when prayer becomes more about God and less about us, the family of God becomes more prominent in our prayers because we see the glorious thing that God has done to make this family. And we have his heart for the family. And so we lift them up in prayer. Who do we pray for? We pray for the family. doesn't mean not to pray for yourself, but pray for the family. Fourth, what do we pray for? And this is the last point. What do we pray for? Well, Paul, again, does something uncomfortable for us. Let's look at it. He prays, verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So think about this. The Ephesian church in many ways is going through a difficult time. There's suffering present in the church. Their leader, their father in the faith, Paul, is now in jail their circumstances aren't looking great. They're going to face persecution in the future. And Paul doesn't pray 
for the circumstances of the church to change. Instead, he prays that God would do something in them in the midst of those circumstances. Now, it doesn't mean that we cannot and should not, as Christians, pray for God to change our circumstances. That if somebody gets a, a, a medical diagnosis that is unfavorable, Church, we should, we should rally around them and pray that God would intervene supernaturally for his glory. And God often does. When, when things are hard, we can pray for suffering to be alleviated. But here, here's the point. Don't forget to pray that in the midst of those circumstances, not only that the circumstances would change, but that we would change in the midst of them. Let, let, let's look at what, what Paul prays for this church and how he asks God to change them in the middle of these circumstances. He prays four things for them. First, he prays that they would be strengthened. He, sa- he, he, he says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his, his spirit in your inner being. See, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And when he left, he says, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage I go away, for if I don't go away, the helper, meaning the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So this is what Paul prays. He prays that the Holy Spirit who Christ promised, whom we need to do anything, would be with this church. And we need, friends, we need constant strength. Now, it doesn't mean that when we become Christians, we don't get the Holy Spirit. Sometimes that's a misconception that somehow after we become a Christian, there has to be like some, some other experience where we have to get the Spirit. No, no, no. But there are degrees of, of being strengthened in the power of the Holy Spirit. So we have the Spirit, but Paul prays, no, no, I pray you be even more strengthened in the power of the Spirit. He's going to pray later that they would actually be full. Now, why, why, why would Paul pray this? He prays it because we need constant strength by the power of the Spirit. You know, Ford, my son, recently had a favorite toy that is, he finally got tired of, but it was an amazing toy. It was this little table that he could stand up on when he's learning to stand, and he could hit things, and they would make noise and do things. So, like, things would spin, and they would... And, but what would happen is this thing ate batteries like crazy, Seriously, we probably went through two packs of batteries trying to get this thing up and running. And so inevitably what happens is that we, we fill it with batteries and then after a while, we hear the music go from... You know, and you know, it starts to like die and die and die and die and die. Here, here's the problem. I think most of us, when that happens to us spiritually as it often does, we, we, we're, we're, singing, we're sailing along and then we start, to, and we start to realize, man, I'm not doing well, I need strength or I'm getting weary or I'm getting tired. Here's what we do. We say, I need to try harder. I gotta, I gotta get in there. I gotta like pull up, my, pull myself up by my bootstraps. I gotta just try really, really hard. So that little toy though, Ford tried this. I'm just letting you know. He tried this method of, of, uh, of repair. And so what he would do is the more that it messed up, he would just smack it harder. Like, obviously, you are not working, toy. So, so perform the song for me. Bam! You know, bam, 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 bam. And he's a big kid. So that was, I mean, he could really hit that thing. And, and yet it was ineffective, just reporting this. It was as ineffective as our method of spiritual jump-starting. See, 
Without power, we can't do anything. Okay, this is the point. So Paul prays for the church because he knows regardless of whether they're aware of their need for it or not, they need strength by the power of the Spirit. They need constant strength by the power of the Spirit. They don't need it, you know, occasionally. They need constant strength by the power of the Spirit. So he prays for strength. But then he goes on to pray that they would be rooted and grounded. So not only strength, rooted and grounded. He prays according to verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. He prays that they would be rooted and grounded in love. And think about those two pictures. He prays that they would be rooted in love, meaning that if Christ's love is the root of our Christian life, then good fruit will spread throughout our life. That if we're, we're grounded in the love of, if we're rooted in the love of God, rather, that what comes up from those roots results in fruit in our life. So, so what happens is that if we're rooted in this, it has an effect on our life. And so he, he prays that the Spirit would root them in the love of God so that things begin to happen in their spiritual life, that they will begin to be transformed. And second, he prays that they would be grounded in the love of God meaning that they would be steady and sure in any circumstance. Our circumstances often empty us, don't they? They often shake us. They often move us. So what Paul is praying is that they would be grounded in the love of God, that it would be the thing that's producing fruit in them and that would be their security as they think about the love of God as the Spirit does this work in them. Third, he prays that they would be comprehending. Verse 18, that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. This is what's really interesting to me about this passage. He prays that the Spirit would would strengthen them with power, okay? So it's like he's getting them charged up to do something. I pray you got strength. Like, all right, let's get in there. We get some strength. You'd be rooted. All right, so now we've got stuff coming up from our roots that you'd be grounded. All right, now we're secure. So we're not gonna move. We're producing fruit. We're charged up with the power of the Spirit. And Paul says, here's what you're gonna do. Comprehend the love of God. That, and you go, okay, I'm sorry. What? I mean, you got everybody charged up. You got all this power flowing. And the thing you want to do is not like start another church or, or multiply care groups or whatever. It's, it's that you would comprehend the love of God. One, one guy in our community group said that when he began to follow Jesus, one of the things that held him back for a while was wondering, is God's love real? Is this real? I understand what people are saying, but is the love of God real? And, and we don't move on from that question as Christians often do we? We get it, we, we understand it, we grasp it, we believe in him. And yet, when we're in difficult circumstances or in trial and we begin to shake, what do we ask? Does God really love me? When we're struggling with sin, the question is, 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 is God's love better than this sin? Is it really? See, so much of our Christian life flows from comprehending the love of God. It it. It secures us. It pushes us to be like Jesus. It turns us from sin. And so Paul, he knows this. He knows that the love of God is what's gonna secure them and ground them and it's what's gonna produce fruit in them 
up from the roots. And so he prays, he prays with everything in him, with earnestness, with his knees on the ground. I pray that you would understand and comprehend the love of God. See, I was so convicted because I thought, man, when's the last time that I've prayed that? When's the last time I've been battling sin and and prayed, God, help me to get your love so that this is distasteful? When's the last time that, that, that I've been shaken by circumstances that I prayed, Lord, help me to get your love so that I'm not shaken in the middle of this circumstance? When's the last time that somebody's been hurting and you pray for their healing, you pray for their circumstances to change, but that you also pray, Lord, in this moment, help them to feel your love for them? Because here's the thing. When we comprehend the love of God, it changes everything for us. And it has an effect on us. When we comprehend the love of God, it has an effect. It says that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. See, when I got, when I got married, when I married Jen and we moved to El Paso, two thoughts began to kind of grow simultaneously. As I just grew to do life with Jen. So the first thought is, I love you. I love this girl. And then as that thought grew, this other thought grew. And when I'm with her, I'm home. When I'm with her, my life is full. And as I grew to love her more, I felt more at home and my life felt more full. And, 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 and what Paul is praying is in the same way, as we comprehend the love of God, we are filled. We're full. As, as, as we hear the Lord say, I love you, I love you, we begin more and more to feel I'm home. I'm home. I'm full. See, that's what Paul is praying for them. So he, his prayers for them are more about God than about ourselves. He wants them to experience God's power. He wants them to be rooted in God's love. He wants them to comprehend God's love. He wants them to be full of God. And it's all about the Lord. See, so many times when our prayers, we, we come with all of our stuff and focusing too much on ourselves. And that's not wrong. We, we want God to change us and move us. But Paul, in this prayer, lifts high the Lord and what he's doing and what he can do in us for his glory so that we'd be full of him. And his preoccupation is with God. What about, because I know this is probably a question you have, what about unanswered prayer? Look, as I, as I was praying about it this week, I just... I had this sense from the Lord that there are probably people here that at one time or another have prayed hard for something and it didn't happen and so you've given up praying. Or your prayers are far more half-hearted now, far more, far more perfunctory. What do we do with them? Well, whenever we pray, the answer is always either yes, in Christ, God grants us our requests. Later, I will do this, but not now. Or... I have something better. God says yes, yes, but later, or I have something better. Open God, oh my soul, He is strong and He is strong to save. Open God, He's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. Who am I? It's a question for the ages, and sadly, existentialism has crept into the body of Christ. So where can we find the answer to these sorts of questions? Thankfully, our identity in Christ is clear in the scriptures. 
Pastor Ricky will explore this topic as he teaches through the book of Ephesians. You've been listening to Better News Radio, the radio ministry of Pastor Ricky Elcantar of Cross of Grace Church in El Paso, Texas. CD copies of today's study are available when you email us at radio at betternewsradio.com. That's radio at betternewsradio.com. Today's message, as originally presented at Cross of Grace Church, can be downloaded from our website at betternewsradio.com. If you can't get to a computer to download or place an order, you can always call us at 915-562-7100. We'll be happy to help you. Again, our phone number here at the church is 915-562-7100. Perhaps today's message was exactly what you're looking for in a church. If you don't have a home church and you sense God is calling you to walk in obedience to Him by being a part of the body of believers, please join us for worship this coming Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Community groups of believers also meet throughout the week in many locations around the city for Bible study and fellowship and even prayer. For more information, including driving directions, log on to betternewsradio.com. We hope to see you soon. The music that you hear each day on Better News Radio was provided by Sovereign Grace Music. We invite you to visit their website, SovereignGraceMusic.org. Pastor Ricky will continue sharing messages from his series entitled, Who Am I? from the book of Ephesians. That's next time on Better News Radio. Better News Radio.